This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL. And available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, joined by former Congressman Paul Hodes. And if you are used to hearing off the record in this time slot when we are broadcast on WKXL, you're not going crazy. I mean, the world may make you think that you're going crazy. But the name of our show has indeed changed because we talk about politics. Uh, you know, that's that's what we do. That's that's my background. That's Congressman Hodes' background. But we also like to go beyond politics. And that is definitely the theme of what we are doing today. The last week has, has seen, I don't want to say unprecedented, but a very unusual pattern of activity around the stock GameStop, the business GameStop, and the reaction on, on Wall Street, the, the pattern of investing. Uh, and there, it brings up a whole host of issues about the interaction between investing, markets, government, regulation, social media, Reddit, and probably five or six other things that I'm not thinking of right now. But to walk us through all of that, we're very fortunate to have Chris Hill, the host of Motley Fool Money, the number one stock investing radio show in America. Chris is regularly featured on our podcast uh, every week, he's a guest of mine, and we talk about all of these kinds of issues, but we really wanted to bring him in and feature him on this show here today because it's a really deep topic. Chris, welcome to Beyond Politics. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you, and I, I really uh, recommend to all of our listeners Tune in to Chris's show. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Motley Fool Money is definitely the source if you are interested in businesses, the economy, investing. Uh, and of course, you can always access all of that information with Chris, with us, through our podcast. But for today, GameStop, it's been covered widely in the news. But Chris, could you just give us a sketch of what went down last week and why it's such a big deal? It's going to be hard to do that in a, in a pithy manner, but I'll do my best. Um, so uh, I think we need to start with this. Um, I think when a lot of people think about investing in the stock market, they think about uh, the way most people do it, which is um, buying shares of a company that you think is going to do well over the next five, 10 years, that sort of thing. Um, if you're like me, you're a fan of coffee, and so you maybe buy a couple of shares of Starbucks with the idea that Starbucks as a business is going to be worth more in a few years than it is now. Um, another way to invest, a riskier way to invest, is something called short selling, which is basically the opposite. It is a way to invest where you are betting on a business going bankrupt. And so with GameStop, we have to start with the fact that for a long time, this has been a bricks and mortar retail business that has been, to put it politely, challenged by a world that is increasingly online. And so GameStop as a stock 
has been increasingly a target, particularly of hedge funds, um, who are looking to sell it short because they think GameStop as a business is in trouble and is probably going to zero. By the way, there are people 10 years ago who, if you had asked them on Wall Street, where do you think GameStop is going to be in the year 2020? You would have gotten a bunch of people saying, oh, it'll be out of business by then. So um, it, it has held on despite years and years of people thinking it's going to zero. What has happened is in, in uh, the online community, Wall Street Bets, which is a forum on Reddit, and it is a very popular forum. Um, there's uh, uh, as many as 2 million people who are on the Wall Street Bets forum uh, on Reddit. Uh, over the past few weeks, they have sort of taken it upon themselves to buy shares of GameStop, driving up the price of the stock. And what happens with short sellers is if the stock starts to go up, sometimes short sellers will basically say, you know what, I'm getting out of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close out my holding. And that also drives the stock price higher. So GameStop in the past month has gone up somewhere in the neighborhood of, I'm just going to round up here, Matt, somewhere in the neighborhood of 2000%, which is just insane to think about. Usually you have to speak in terms of decades for really great businesses increasing that amount. And in the case of GameStop, the uh, you know confluence of retail investors on Reddit, um, some of whom are investing for the first time, some of whom are um, going on Reddit and making no bones about the fact that they are looking to stick it to hedge funds um, and cause them some financial pain. Um, and I'm sure within the community on Reddit, there are institutional investors as well. Um, institutional investors are, are, are not sitting this one out. So um, it's really become this heavyweight fight. It started um, in pretty modest ways with retail investors getting together on Reddit saying, we think we have an opportunity both to make money and to stick it to hedge funds. Um, and since then, as it's gotten more attention, um, more and more um, big players, big investors and institutional investors have gotten involved. It sounds like a financial revolution that rivals the Super Bowl for combat. Instead of Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, we've got your basic COVID-19 pandemic uh, placated investor looking to play some games. And oh, by the way, all us little guys can get together and really stick it to those mega hedge funds, those capitalist cronies on Wall Street that are ripe for hatred. We, <laughs> um, it's come. It's full on combat here on the interwebs. But what, tell us a little bit about the Motley Fool. I mean, you know, Motley Fool is, has uh, it, it's a catchy name, uh, but it also uh, seems to be a kind of uh, let's just call it for our purposes today, uh, an establishment minded, a market minded, a reasonably minded uh, institution or 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 site or whatever the various Motley Fool empire comprises. And, and and so tell us about it. And how do people in your line of work and specifically at the Motley Fool think about this situation and what it means long term? 
So The Motley Fool was started nearly 30 years ago by two brothers, Tom and David Gardner. They learned about investing from their dad. They were English majors in college and they loved Shakespeare and their favorite characters in Shakespeare's plays were the fools because the, the fool was the one who could speak the truth to the king and get away with it uh, by making some jokes uh, and pointing out usually to the king that uh, the king might be in a little bit of trouble because all of the advisors that the king had around him um, uh, didn't necessarily have the king's best interest at heart. Uh, and so The Motley Fool was started with an eye towards individual investors. Um, 30 years ago, conventional wisdom ran amok on Wall Street. And um, I would say number one on the list of conventional wisdom on Wall Street, and it still persists to this day, although to a smaller degree, is that investing is really complicated and average people like the three of us shouldn't attempt to do it ourselves. And David and Tom and their friend Eric Rideholm um, started a, a newsletter uh, that they just sold for $48 a year just to provide some insight and observation and some stock recommendations. And over the ensuing, uh, at this point, 28 years, uh, the company has grown, has moved online, and the main business of The Motley Fool is stock research. So people who are looking for investment research ideas can subscribe to uh, services at The Motley Fool um, and get stock recommendations. And it's, it's, uh, it's very upfront in terms of, um, well, here's what you're paying and here's what you're getting in return, that sort of thing. Um, what do we all think of this? Uh, I, I, I almost hesitate to use the word we because The Motley Fool is a company of 500 people and, and we're Motley. Um, we have a team of analysts and they don't agree on, on every stock, um, which is kind of how we like it. Um, but I, I think if there is anything we all agree on is that what we're seeing with GameStop is not investing. It is speculation. And, and there's a big difference between investing and speculation. Um, whether these retail investors on Reddit realize it or not, they're engaging in stock speculation. And some of them uh, are reportedly doing well with it in the short term. Of course, that means um, when if they sell their shares, um, they're going to have to pay short-term capital gains taxes, which are a lot higher than long-term capital gains taxes. But, you know, as, as a taxpayer in America, I appreciate those in, uh, people who like to speculate on stocks and, and pay those short-term capital taxes. Um, uh, you know, it, it's interesting, Paul, because um, I, I said this in a meeting that we had last week. I said, you know, I I hope this doesn't sound crass, but I don't really have a lot of sympathy for any of the players involved in what's happening with GameStop and Reddit. Um, I certainly don't have sympathy for the hedge fund uh, managers, who uh, some of whom have come out and said, hey, um, um, this isn't right, what's happening. It's like, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm pretty sure what's happening with, with the folks on Reddit is just an online retail investor version of what you guys have been engaged in for a long time. Um, by the same token, um, there are absolutely some new investors who are excited about what's happening on Reddit, and uh, some of them are going to get burned. They're either going to get burned because they don't realize that they're going to be paying high taxes on their capital gains, or some of them are going to buy this stock at the wrong time and sell it at a loss, um, and that's not a great experience. And again, all of this is stock speculation. It's very short-term focused. 
Um, at The Motley Fool, we are 100% focused on long-term investing because the single best way to grow your wealth is to let it compound over time. Um, and that's why buying shares of great businesses and letting them grow for 10 years, 20 years, even 30 years, um, if you can do that, you're going to see, um, in, you're going to be able to build wealth in a, in a really incredible way. So let me just follow, let me just follow up for a, for a quick second, because um, I think from where I sit, this, what, what's happened recently kind of completely upends all the nice, rational, smart, long-term, mature, adult thinking you have just presented us with. Because, you know, social media as a phenomenon is relatively new. When I went to Congress, uh, we didn't have iPads. Um, that was in 2007. We didn't have um, uh, smartphones. And uh, the the real the real burst of growth in the Internet and what what it and the democratization of it was uh, has been a, ten, a, a recent a recent phenomenon. So now we have a pandemic and we've got all these people sitting in their underwear without jobs and they discover not only Reddit online and Wall Street bets. They don't look at the motley fool. That's just so old school fool. Uh, but they've they've got all this opportunity now. And God, it's kind of like a video game. We can watch the things go up and watch the things go down and and look at those charts and arrows. And man, it's a lot of fun. And hey, let's let's stick it to the man. Well, the man wasn't prepared for this. What, what was they? It certainly seems like in the case of a few hedge funds, they really did get burned. And that's why shorting a stock uh, carries so much risk with it. You can be right about GameStop going out of business. It's just that GameStop may not go out of business in the time frame that you think it's going to be. Um, it would be interest, an interesting um, exercise um, to, you know, pull these Reddit um, investors and say, hey, just out of curiosity, would you be buying shares of GameStop if you knew that you couldn't sell it for another 10 years? I wonder how many people would sign up for that. But to, to your comment, Paul, you're right. Um, uh, there were absolutely some professional investors on Wall Street who got burned by this. Um, but it's hard for me to see how this continues in the same way that we have just seen over the past month. It's not to say that there can't be people who in um, smaller ways make money by looking at, well, what are the most heavily shorted stocks? What are the stocks that hedge funds on Wall Street are betting against? And maybe if I can get enough of my friends together on Reddit and we all buy shares, we can drive up the price and then we can um, sell it at a gain. But of course, if you sell it, um, who's going to buy it? Um, you know, that it's, uh, I was telling someone this last week, you know, uh, where someone uh, said, uh, well, who's going to be left holding the bag? And I said, I don't know, but that's the thing about the bag. Someone's always left holding the bag. Uh, in the case of GameStop or 
future iterations of this, it's going to be individual investors who are going to try to do this again and again. I think um, it will be interesting to see what comes out of the federal government in terms of increased regulation. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Robinhood in all of this. Robinhood has come under scrutiny. Um, I think there were absolutely some people new to investing who um, started investing with Robinhood who were very surprised to learn last week how Robinhood actually makes money. And um, I think the, the blowback that Robinhood has gotten is very much of their own making. Robinhood started as this app saying, hey, we're all about the little guy. We think everyone should invest. Um, and a lot of new investors flock to Robinhood because, hey, you can trade for free. It's great. But it, it, it really provides a great lesson for everyone listening, Paul. And that is whether you're using Robinhood or you work with a financial advisor, or you're thinking about working with a financial advisor or any other online platform, a great question to ask is, how do you get paid? And if you're dealing with an online brokerage like TD Ameritrade or Schwab or something like that, it's how do they make money? It's like, well, you can trade for free. Okay, but how do you make money? Because you're not just giving me free trades out of the goodness of your heart, are you? In the case of Robinhood, what a lot of people learned last week is how Robinhood actually makes money. And they make money by directing order flow, by taking all of these stock orders and directing it to big institutions on Wall Street. It was something I learned a long time ago when I, um, I used the word, I, I forget what meeting I was in. I was in a meeting where I used the word um, customer. And someone said, I don't think you mean customer. I think you mean consumer. And I said, what's the difference? And this guy said, a consumer is someone who consumes. A customer is someone who pays. What you're talking about is con consumption. I'm looking for customers. Um, that's the thing about the people on Robinhood. They're not Robinhood's customers because they're not paying Robinhood. Robinhood's customers are the big firms on Wall Street that they're directing order flow to, which is why a lot of the people who use Robinhood to invest got so upset last week when, surprise, surprise, they found themselves unable to execute trades the way they wanted to. It's a deep point you're making about the distinction between consumers and customers, because one of the quintessential questions that social media companies sort of pose to analysts and uh, business school types is, who are the customers? And the answer when it comes to Facebook, Google, it's not the users. It's not the people becoming friends and doing searches. It's the advertisers. Those are the customers. And what you're suggesting is that there is a very interesting daisy chain to be followed if you follow the money in the words of all the president's men. That really links us to the idea of the interaction here between online world, the internet, social media, and investing. It does seem like we've seen in really stark terms in just, just 2021, the power for good or in, in, the, in the case of this year for ill of this ability to organize and get a whole group of people to do something kind of off the wall online. We saw it on January 6th 
in the insurrection under the Capitol Dome. And now we're seeing it to some degree with this GameStop phenomenon. How concerned are you? I mean, you're part of a business that now operates online and gives sound, reasonable, well-considered, long-term, serious financial advice, investing advice. How concerned are you about the interaction of social media, internet organizing, and investing, and what that's going to do to the overall investing picture? I think that for people who have a long time horizon, um, it's far less of a concern. Uh, you know, if you are a day trader, then the stock price of Amazon.com matters a great deal to you. What the stock price is today matters a great deal if you're a day trader. If you are like me, someone who has owned shares of Amazon for 20 years, then the stock price today is of passing interest, but doesn't mean a whole lot. Amazon's gonna come out with their earnings report Tuesday after the closing bell. I'm naturally interested in what they're going to report. I'm naturally interested to see what does that stock do Wednesday morning? But if it falls 5% Wednesday morning, I'm not selling my shares of Amazon because what has changed in the business for me as a long-term investor? Um, quarter to quarter doesn't matter so much. I'm interested in what is the long-term vision of any given business? So again, for people who have a very short time horizon for people who are speculators, like we've seen on Reddit, like we see from hedge funds. If you have a short-term time horizon, um, then yes, the, the confluence of social media, of, of commentary, of people going on uh, financial television, Bloomberg and CNBC, and either talking up a stock or moving a, or talking down a stock to move it a few percentage points one way or the other. Yeah, if you have a short-term time horizon, that's a huge concern. But one of the reasons we encourage people to take as long a time horizon as they can is because things like this almost don't matter at all if you think in terms of decades and not days. Makes a lot of sense. Paul, let's take a let's just take a very quick break. Let's get that, let's get it done for the folks who keep us in business and on the air. And then we'll we'll go right to, to Paul's got a burning question. I think for Chris, do you want to tease it? You want to tease your question? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know how unusual any of this really is. And I'm, 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 I'm thinking about why people were, 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 were caught with their pants down. Let's find out after the break. We're back with Chris Hill of Motley Fool Money, walking us through the whole GameStop imbroglio uh, scenario. Uh, look, is there another Italian sounding word I can come up with there? <laughs> so right before we, we took a little break there, Paul was asking, why did everyone get caught with their pants down? I mean, haven't we seen speculative bubbles before? So why was this such a surprise, Chris? I think that um, as I have invested and gotten older, um, one of the things I have come around to is that this thing happens all the time. And, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine uh, wrote a book recently. And, and uh, one of the things he wrote about sort of investing and behavior and sort of the mindset about investing is that um, one of the things we should learn when, when surprising things happen is that 
that's how the world is. Surprising things happen all the time. And even though, Paul, people got caught with their pants down and, and uh, some of these people are professionals on Wall Street, they're running hedge funds. Um, it's in some ways, it's no different than what we saw in 2008 and 2009 with the Great Recession. Um, for anyone who has either read Michael Lewis's brilliant book, The Big Short, or seen the fantastic movie version, The Big Short, um, that's the thing about Wall Street. There are always going to be professional, intelligent, credentialed people who completely get pantsed. And sometimes um, it's by people on the internet. And that's what we saw this time with GameStop. Um, so I, it's not to say that um, I think this is going to keep happening over and over because this is something we've been talking uh, about a lot lately at The Motley Fool is, well, what is the next version of this? Where, where do we think this is going? Like if you have this large online community with Wall Street Bets um, on Reddit, um, is this something they can do over and over again? Can they just get that list of the most shorted stocks and, and get together and say, okay, we're all going to buy this? I don't know. I mean, I think that um, that's going to be tough to pull off in the same way, in the same way that we've seen shares of GameStop rise nearly 2,000% in a month. I, I, I just don't see that happening over and over again um, with stocks that are heavily shorted. Um, I could be wrong about that, but um, uh, I don't think that's as likely as some other big surprise coming somewhere down the line. So um, just to follow up, Mark Cuban, the TV star, investor, rich guy, uh, said just uh, a few hours ago, he said, Wall Street bets traders are applying the same principles of the digital crypto world to the stock market, and they are loving the fact that the old schoolers are hating it. The old schoolers think they're smarter. They're not. This generation doesn't care what old Wall School, what old school Wall Street thinks or says about valuations. They've learned from their experiences watching Wall Street go up and down and making people who aren't them a ton of money that it's a game designed to reward the people with the most money. It's just a game. And now it's being played by the little guys who find that social media give them the opportunity to coagulate into large forces that, hey, we can play this game just like the big guys. We don't need experience. We don't need anything. We need a, we need an access to the interwebs and a gang of people who will all do the same thing. So, big guys, your days are over. Your days are done. You valuation people, you experience people, you growth stock people, come on. The world is now moving in nanoseconds. And if you can't ca keep up, then we're going to keep it up for you. Again, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up. <laughs> because today it's GameStop. Is it going to be BlackBerry tomorrow? Is it going to be AMC Entertainment, the largest movie theater in the world, which is uh, you know a very troubled business at the moment? Um, maybe. Um, it is interesting to me that um, 
uh, although it's not surprising to me uh, that there are some professionals on Wall Street who got their noses out of joint because of the dynamic here, because the, the dynamic of individual retail investors getting together on Reddit is very upsetting. Meanwhile, we saw this same dynamic play out a few years ago um, with a company called Herbalife. Herbalife was this multi-level marketing uh, business. Um, and the reason you didn't see um, sort of all these people on Wall Street getting upset about it is because the dynamic played out purely between billionaires. Uh, Bill Ackman, a billionaire hedge fund manager, came out very publicly a few years ago and said, I'm shorting Herbalife. I think this business is a fraud. And I think they're going out of business and I am shorting it. And for a short amount of time, for you know a few months there, that was working out really well for Bill Ackman because shares of Herbalife kept going down. Turns out there's another billionaire hedge fund manager on Wall Street by the name of Carl Ackman. Uh, Carl Icahn, excuse me. Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman, not friends, not frenemies, they're enemies. And Carl Icahn said, you're shorting that stock? I think I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it because I want to cause you pain. And it did. It, it, again, Paul, it was the exact same dynamic that we're seeing here. Um, billionaire hedge fund manager shorting a stock and instead of individual investors getting together on Reddit and saying, no, we're, we're buying this stock to cause you pain, it was just Carl Icahn, another billionaire. And again, that's why there was no, there was no big call for regulation, by the way. There was, there was no noise coming from Capitol Hill saying, oh boy, this is concerning what we're seeing here when it was just playing out between billionaires. Let me ask you the flip side of this for a second. You know, sometimes when my kids are doing something particularly rambunctious, right? You know, they're beating up on each other, teasing each other, whatever it is, letting the house on fire. I'll ask them, wait, why is what you're doing right now good? And it's it's sort of a head scratcher, right? It, it's meant to be philosophical. It's, it's probably me just being an annoying dad. But I do want to ask that question about this whole situation. I get, I'm not crying a river for Carl Icahn or any hedge fund billionaire either. On the other hand, the whole point of the stock market was that companies that are building for the future and providing goods and services in our economy, that they're able to raise money to invest, to grow their companies, to be able to uh, execute their vision and thrive, and that investors can be part of that rising tide. And so one has to ask oneself in all of this, why is this good? If the tussle over a stock essentially becomes, well, this hedge fund billionaire is going to exact revenge on this hedge fund billionaire. Or you mentioned the AMC movie theater. Apparently there, is, there has been some activity around that. And it's also caused a, an overflow effect onto the AMC channel, which is not affiliated. And it's just, you know, regular investors saying like, oh, AMC getting confused. So now you've got a real company, right? You've got a real business that employs real people. And these things have consequences. If your stock tanks, it has consequences for your businesses, for the real economy, for people's jobs, for people's well-being. So Chris Hill, why is all of this good? And if I could just piggyback one other question onto that, 
if it's not really good, I, I, again, buyer beware, but if it's not really good, really shouldn't there be some regulation to try and get back to the core purpose of what the stock market is for? Well, I, I think that's the key, what you just talked about, the core purpose of, of what all of this is about. Um, you know, Paul, you mentioned uh, people on Reddit looking at this saying, hey, for us, this is a game and this is just how we're playing the game. Um, at The Motley Fool, um, we're playing a different game and we encourage others to play a different game. And it's, it's, it's maybe a, a less exciting game, um, but it's a game that if you play it right, um, you sleep a whole lot better at night. And it's a game focused on long-term investing. To your question, Matt, I, I think that um, th this is where I, I want to urge caution for any uh, legislators who might be listening and, and preparing regulation. Um, because I, I think we could be going down a road of unintended consequences. Um, I've said before, and I'll say again, I love that short selling exists, even though I have never done it and probably never will do it. Um, it it's important to remember that when you buy a stock, someone is selling it to you. Um, and so that basic exchange, in the same way when you go to your local farmer's market, you know, you're buying produce, you're buying freshly baked bread, someone has decided they're going to make it and sell it to you at a certain price and you agree on that price. It's the same in the stock market. Um, so I think it's important. Uh, I, I, you know, I think short selling um, is an important tool. Um, and I think it's great to have in the market. Um, now, are there ways in which short selling is taken to extreme? Um, you know, should there maybe be limits on borrowing shares to sell short? Um, yeah, that's that's a conversation that I think um, has merit to it. But you know, in the past week, we've seen some people just come out and say short selling shouldn't be legal, and I completely disagree with that. I you know, in the, in the same way that you should be allowed to invest. In growing businesses, I think people should be allowed to invest in such a way that says, I don't think this business is going to be here um, and I'm going to bet the other way. Uh, so, uh, again, I hope that the, the conversations around new regulation um, are thoughtful and cautious. So, you know, as we've seen in 2021, uh, there are discussions around two different kinds of controls over what happens uh, when people get together on social media and do crazy things. Um, we've had often been talking about norms and guardrails um, and norms are norms are what have generally become accepted as acceptable behavior. And the guardrails are those controls that are imposed by regulation of some kind. So we've we've seen the uh, crazy results in our political world where um, uh, a, a, a president uh, has violated all the norms for four years of uh, behavior. And now we're beginning to take a look at the guardrails uh, for that kind of conduct. 
you know, in the political realm um, with the president, you've got the impeachment process. But that, you know, how's that working for you these days? I mean, is it going to be sufficient? Uh, is it a sufficient guardrail to protect against somebody who's so violative of norms that they take us into the stratosphere? And and in the stock market and in stock regulation, there are both norms and, and guardrails as well. I mean, the norms that we've been talking about have, have been that kind of prudent thought about long term investing. And you don't want to get too speculative because you're going to get burned. And so we've blown through that norm. At least we, we've seen a sparkling example of it here with Reddit and Wall Street bets and Robin Hood and investors. And then there's the question of guardrails. Now, some of the guardrails are internal. Um, for example, with Robin Hood, this uh, no fee trading website, Robin Hood, like any other um, uh, brokerage firm that that allows people to buy and sell stocks, works through what are called clearing houses and the clearing houses have to clear the trades and the clearing houses have requirements for um, uh, what the brokers uh, will place uh, for, for trades. And you've got to have sufficient capital to meet the clearinghouse standards. And what happened here to Robinhood, this, this large, you know, big website was they ran up against the clearinghouses saying, you guys don't have enough capital to make, to, to make this market this way and to do all this buying and we're shutting you down basically. And Robinhood had to go to its investors and bar and and get a new investment of a billion dollars um, to make it possible for them to continue. And in the meantime, they shut down the buying uh, of stock. So it, it there are all kind. There, that's an example of an internal guardrail that's internal to the current system. So hard cases make bad law, and I'm wondering whether or not that with the revolution in the ability of people to speculate because i think the social media the social media revolution we've just been witness to is a new phenomenon uh in 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 a certain way for the stock market as we know it and is that going to produce heavier guardrails from uh, either internally within the stock market regulatory system, or we'll call it externally from Congress, because I used to sit on the Financial Services Committee. And believe me, uh, I, you know, if this had happened on my watch, I would have been pressing my chairman, Barney Frank, and I wouldn't had to to say, Barney, we got to find out what's going on here. Find out how this happened. Find out you know, because it's pretty it could be dangerous to too many people. We're going to have to at least look at what to do. Is that going to go on here? I think it is. And I think um, it, it's probably, Paul, going to be happening. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there were conversations happening right now at uh, all of these brokerage firms about, well, what are we requiring of people who trade with us? Um, what are we communicating to them? Um, and do we need to increase that? Um, let's take a, a form of investing that has 
very little to do with um, the GameStop narrative, and that's options trading. Um, it's a more advanced form of investing, and it's the sort of thing where if you you know uh, if you set up your investment account. Um, you, you don't get the green light to trade options right away. You know, m- pretty much everyone uh, from the traditional firms like Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, that sort of thing, to online firms, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, um, they're going to make sure that you fulfill certain requirements before they're going to allow you to take on leverage. Um, uh, again, it wouldn't surprise me if all of these businesses were looking at this in the same way that we, we, we've talked uh, about large social media companies like Facebook trying to police themselves so that the federal government doesn't come in and break them up. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these businesses were looking to ramp up their own requirements with their own customers um, so that they can avoid this type of thing in the future. And again, you know, you mentioned what Robinhood had to do. Um, I, I just look at the the promise that Robinhood has made for years to um, to um, its uh, I was going to say customers to the to the people it's trying to get onto its platform, and the people that it did get on its, on its platform. You know, the whole hey, we're for the little guy. Everyone should be allowed to trade. And then when push came to shove, they had to break that promise. Because if they didn't break that promise, their business was going to be broken. So in the absence of guardrails either applied by government or by these companies in terms of their internal setup to try and save people from themselves and save the lack of wisdom of crowds from melting things down, what advice do you give? Is the Motley Fool giving right now above and beyond sort of the traditional high level, look, long-term thinking, prudent intelligent value-based investing. You mentioned earlier, for example, asking oneself the question, where is this company making its money that you're thinking of working with? That sounds like really good practical you know, uh, advice and uh, kind of a watchword. What else can you say to listeners in terms of applying some caution to their own investing, to how they look at a situation like this? Maybe they're tempted to get in on it. What should people watch out for and what does a smarter approach and set of questions to ask oneself look like? It's a great question. Um, Here are three thoughts. The first is um, use what's happening right now as your own personal wake up call to look at your investments, to look at, you know, even if you're just um, uh, not someone who owns individual stocks, but maybe you've got a 401k plan, maybe you've got a pension plan of some, you know, of some sort, uh, any kind of retirement plan. Use what's happening right now with GameStop as a wake-up call for you to say, you know what, I'm going to set aside 30 minutes of time in my week, and I'm going to look at where my money is and ask myself the question, am I investing the way I should be, or can I be doing a better job of that? Um, A second thing is a great question to ask when you start looking at individual businesses, as you said, Matt, is how does this company make their money? The second question you want to ask is how's this company going to make more money in the future? Because that's what is going to reward you as a shareholder, Um, whether it's a basic business like Starbucks or or Dunkin' Donuts um, or, you know, some of the more... um, 
you know, tech focused businesses like cloud computing and, and, uh, uh, and sort of video game, uh, you know, uh, chips. Uh, so that's another thing. And the third thing is, particularly if you are thinking in terms of 10, 20 years, maybe even longer for your younger listeners or for listeners who are maybe looking to set up investment accounts for their kids or their grandkids, here's a question to ask. Which way is the world going? Matt, you and I have talked before about digital payment companies, um, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Square. These are businesses that I think have bright futures because I think we as a planet are going to be using less cash in the future than we're using right now. So when you ask, well, what is the way the world is going? In a way, that gets you back to where we started this whole conversation with GameStop. The reason there were so many hedge funds on Wall Street that were betting against GameStop is because GameStop is a business, not was. It is still a business that is built for an older time. It is a bricks and mortar business that is trying to convince people to come into the stores in a world in which all of us are increasingly buying more and more things online. So when you ask, how does this company make money? How are they going to make more money in the future? And is this a business that is going the way the world is going? I think those answers get you to a good universe of stocks you can buy shares of. Chris Hill, host of Motley Fool Money, the number one stock investing radio show in America, bringing us some deep analysis and insights, as well as some really good practical advice in our own financial picture. On behalf of Congressman Paul Hodes, I'm Matt Robeson. Chris, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys.